From the Gartner Symposium and IT Expo in Orlando, Florida, this is podtech.net. Sarah Santarelli is Chief Information Security Officer for Verizon Business. Podtech.net brings you highlights from Santarelli's talk, Forming a Strategy for Assessing Your IT Security Risk. In part one of the podcast, Santarelli talks, among other things, about how to assess and mitigate security risks with limited resources. Uh, to get you down to the nuts and bolts of security, I wanted you to understand the depth of our business, the breadth of the services that we offer, so that as I kind of outline for you how we do security in that context, you get a sense for that business. So we got a bunch of numbers up here. Basically, we are responsible, as I describe it, if you were to make a phone call across our network and you pick up the phone, we'll secure every device through that entire path. So it's, it might be a DMS 250 switch, it might be a server, if it's voice over IP, all of that infrastructure. If you're buying data services from us, we'll have the security responsibilities for the entire um, public internet backbone, which, oh, by the way, we see about two and a half million security events every day to uh, attack that infrastructure. So we've got the security of that entire environment. Let's step back a second. You kind of have the, um, the infrastructure that we are responsible for supporting. And then we have this environment that even though we've been so fortunate in unison, everybody needs to like knock on wood, right? <laughs> we haven't had a major worm or, or virus that has, has impacted our networks of late. We certainly have lots of them to, to take care of. Nobody has provided any relief to us for patching. In fact, if you're referencing the cert statistics as I do, it's kind of a baseline for how is the industry trending. We're continuing to see vulnerabilities reach at what is anticipated an all-time high for this year. If you think about vulnerabilities in terms of an avenue for possible attack, we're going to be having to touch our network, cleanse our network, perform hygiene activities more than ever before across all of those networks and all of those systems. And at the same time, as you all are well aware of, we've got this whole model built up that says, hey, you know, I need to make sure that I'm complying, whether it's a PCII compliance or if you're, you know, dealing with HIPAA or you're dealing with good old Sarbanes-Oxley, there's a lot of complexity out there. And, you know, these cool, you know, broadband access and we've got flash drives, we've got Blackberries, we've got all of these devices, you know, it just is getting very, very complicated in the security world to try and keep all that together. And, and now, because we haven't had some of these big incidents, it's difficult to get funding, right? Our CIOs are saying, you know, what have you done for me lately? How did you spend that money? How do I know that I'm getting a bang for a buck? So we're all on the treadmill, trying to get our, our systems patched, trying to deal with the fact that we've got all this complexity, and yet our, our CIOs are, are beginning to say, how do I get my value from you? And so what we've done at Verizon Business is we've totally over, and I'll, I'll say it's been my passion for probably a little bit over two years now, been trying to solve this puzzle of how do I do it all? with just a little bit of resource, right? My boss teases me and he says, Sarah, the entire company cannot work in security. And I'm like, Kevin, what do you mean? <laughs> of course they can't. We're all responsible for security. 
It doesn't matter if you're a security guard or you're, you know, a help desk person or you're, you know, just touching any part of the fabric over the network. We're all responsible, but we can't all work for us. So how do you know which systems to touch first? If you've got over 30,000 servers, do you want to know if you only have seven days before the next worm comes out or the next, you know, Trojan code? How do you know you touch the right one first? So that's the, that's the puzzle that we've been trying to, to solve. And so I came up with this model and, and decided that, you know, these are, you know, maybe they're not all the same for your business, but in our business, what I've found is that the most important thing that I have to worry about, this is where all the power is in the security program, is in the governance, setting the stage of governance. And I'll talk to you a little bit about the governance program that we have implemented. Then building a security risk management program on top. This is where I'll spend the majority of our time today talking about some of the things that we've done to help drive security into your asset management program. So it's not just I've got server XYZ and, you know, vice president so-and-so who's in charge of server ops. And so he has this big, broad, you know, group of IPs assigned or, or responsible to him or her. So we'll talk about that in context of making sure that your asset management and your security management of those assets are linked together. And then vulnerability advisory management. Up at the top, this is the interesting part that I usually get the most discussion around, and that is the device management. I think device management, because it's technology, it's easier to measure, it's easier to understand, it's easier to track progress. I can just go implement the newest technology or the latest technology. So this is where we end up spending most of the time, I find, in our security programs. And my supposition to you is that the place to spend the most of your time is down here in the power base. And that's why this is a candidate for you to look to partners like Verizon Business to take this part off your hands and allow you more time to focus in the bottom part. Let's talk a little bit about governance. So you, of course, have to have good policies. And you'll say, yeah, that's, the, that's easy, Sarah, right? But, you know, I would challenge you to understand that and, and make sure that your policies that you're setting are dynamic policies because the bad guys change all the time too, right? And the vulnerabilities change all the time. So you want to make sure that whatever program you have in place is a dynamic program that keeps watch on those policies, on the new technology, and then here's the kicker, and I know this is going to sound like, you know, management 101, but the reality is, do you have anybody that their job is to enforce those policies? Because remember how we talked about the trust me model doesn't work? You have to have something in place to make sure that people are following those policies, not after the fact when something happens. And you know, we don't want to be policemen and women. We don't. But you want somebody that is out there proactively making sure that your policies A are current and B are being followed and enforced. And having a good executive steering committee that makes sure that these stay at the forefront of your business, in context of your business. So what we've come across is we have a Verizon Executive Council. Many of you probably have something similar. There's not a lot of, I think, earth-shattering differences in our programs other than the depth of the involvement of it. So we'll have senior executives come together from the networking group, 
from the physical security group if that doesn't report through your infosec teams, from human resources, law and public policy, perhaps folks that you know, you hadn't thought about maybe bringing to the table, but now we're seeing more so than ever before a true linkage between law and public policy, particularly as now we're all dealing with data privacy issues, making sure that they're involved right up front with IT, with network, to make sure that those policies get defined such that you can build the process that they're involved in keeping those things current, and then they have their support as you work through the enforcement process. We do that with with the Verizon Executive Council. Now, we all know that as senior executives, we're probably not the most up-to-date, I'll say, <laughs> with all of the operational aspects of security. So we've got to have really smart, good, strong, middle-tier management, technical contributors, folks like that, that are engaged and working through the issues. So good strategic guidance from the Executive Council. And then we have what we would call an Information Security Council, or the VISC, that drives and creates programs to meet the strategic direction at the top. That's where the roll-up-your-sleeves are. We get together quarterly, have good two-day information exchange, set up a framework for delivering and following up on real progress. So it's not just a, a team that you can get together and check the box, right? <laughs> got my socks box checked, right? You want to make sure that you've got that, that uh, infrastructure put together that you can give repeatable updates back into your executive team. Now, this is the part, I, honestly, I'm so passionate about this subject, I could talk an entire hour on this one slide, but don't worry. I, I won't bore you to death, but you know, I am available afterwards if you want to just talk forever on building a security risk assessment program. I, I hear oftentimes right now as I talk through my peers, gee, how do you get the funding? How do you keep the focus? How do you keep the executive team committed to security if the network's not falling down? How do you handle that? And, and what I've found is I've stepped back, and I'm actually, I was sharing today that I'm right smack dab in the middle of this process right now. And, I, and as I go through this annually, it is, it's, it's such a, um, an invigorator for me personally to step back and take a look at my program because we all get so busy, we forget to kind of step back and take a look at where are my improvement factors. So we've got um, a multi-pronged approach to this. Basically, every year... I hire, at least once a year, I hire a third party to test our network. And they will, they get very little information. They get told just like a bad guy would, right? You know, what's, what's publicly available? Here's an internet, you know, IP set of ranges that I want you to take a look at. Call me when you, you find something. You know, page me if you think you can get in, <laughs> right? But, but go try to attack my network like a bad guy would. And, of course, you tell your, give your security operations team a bit of a heads up because you don't want to impact production. Make sure you're using a very reliable company to do this. In order to test on our network, you have to have $5 million of liability protection because I have customers like you that I really value that I want to make sure that we don't impede any type of, of production issues. Make sure you hire somebody good. Have them take a look at your network. Network. And here's the thing, this isn't just a pen test on, go look at my e-commerce website, you know, go tell me if this website's bad, go look at vzb.com, you know, that's not what it is. It's look at it holistically, more than just a scan. If you found a vulnerability, probe it, can you get in, what could you get, what kind of passwords did you see? 
and then give me this is this is the the differentiator i think give me a list of what you think are quick term hits and then strategic this is the important part for funding strategic hits things that you think that I might be missing in my program that are manifesting itself in, in the types of vulnerabilities that you're finding. So if you're seeing a trend, for instance, you can come on in. <laughs> if you're seeing a trend across, you know, that my web apps seem to be a little bit weak, then isn't that systemic of a broader issue? Sarah, maybe you need to have more focus in your SDLC, your system development lifecycle, for web application security if you're finding that trend. So out of the pen test, one of the big prongs of our risk assessment program is get a pen test, make sure it's a strategic pen test so it's not just you know, a quick, a quick hitter. And then give me a list of what you see as strategic initiatives. Now, an, another little perk that I do here is in addition to just doing this external view, you know, as internal security people, we know where our weaknesses are, don't we? You know in your tummy, here's what I'm worried about. And every year, there's always an area that crops up that I know needs some personal attention. I have it tested, right? <laughs> oh, I'm just devious, right? So, you know, I just got my results yesterday, and of course, I had my external review. And then here's my little pet project that I couldn't get the right support on it that I thought that I needed. And oh, I'm just eureka surprise. There's plenty of opportunity for improvement there. Well, now it's validated by somebody outside. And I don't know what it is about life. You have somebody outside tell you that there's a problem, it gets a lot more attention. So use your external pen testing, get some strategic hits, and identify, use those areas that in your tummy you know are, are sore spots for you to get that visibility. Another trick I do is I have a, in, a, a self-assessment, and I do the self-assessment time-wise before I do the external assessment. Use an industry-recognized assessment. You can get them from us. You can get them from out on the net. You can go to SANS. You can go to CERT. Pick one that's industry-certified, and then use it to benchmark yourself. The one that we use looks at things like critical dependencies on technology, looks at awareness, how close are you to 27,001, you know, looking across those fundamental areas. And, you know, you'll be kind of surprised. I have my whole leadership team walk through it, and there are areas this year where I thought we were actually not as good as we were last year. And then there are areas last year that we had identified as gaps that we had improved on this year. So point being, keep it as a benchmark for prior year to this year to identify those gaps or those areas that you want to improve in. Put that aside as yet another element of your annual program. Look at your incidents. Hopefully by now, if you're, if you're working incidents, even if it's a small incident, you know, maybe you got an IM worm, it only impacted 20 machines. Doesn't matter, capture that, calculate a cost to that particular incident and create yourself at least on a quarterly basis. Here's the incident trends I'm seeing. Again, caveat that so that you know what you're looking for. Put all of that together along with a good view of what's going on in industry. Maybe it hasn't hit your network because you've had something here or you've just been lucky. Right? Maybe you're an e-commerce site, but you haven't had a denial of service attack yet. But if you look at an industry, you'll see that's one of the top attack trends. But you've been lucky for whatever reason, it hasn't gotten you yet, but you want to make sure that you've got that as part of your list of things that you're going to look for gaps on. Stack all those up beside each other, 
and you'll be amazed. It absolutely falls out of here's what I need to work on next year, and it's validated by a third-party assessment, and it's validated by industry. It's a very easy sell once you have that type of quantitative data put together as a picture and a story. Use that to build your CapEx plan and your OpEx plan, and then you have to figure out how do you measure the effectiveness of that program. This is what I call the holy grail of security, right? How do I know, Sarah, that the money I spent last year is having impact when I haven't been called to a Sev1 bridge? Boy, you know, and I find that in the security industry, we all struggle with that, don't we? You know, we go to Gartner, we go to IREC, we go to all these places, we read the Forrester reports. How do I measure security effectiveness? And I tell you, I finally got so fed up with it, I just created my own metric. And I feel really good about it. <laughs> you know, if you can't find one, the best thing you got to do is just baseline. And I tell you, our CIOs, because they want so badly to have metrics, sometimes I think we're tracking those devices, those things that are easiest to track, that are not maybe necessarily a good indicator of risk. So it's great that you patch all your Microsoft systems. It's great that you patch all your Oracle systems. But what about open ports? Are you tracking that? What about security violations? You can still take an advantage of something if the port's open if you're a legitimate user. How do you know that you've got the first system patch that had the highest risk if you're only at 95% patched, but the system that's got your Sarbox data on it, your financial data, it's not patched yet. But don't worry, I'm at 95%. See how that leads someone to to a false sense of security. So I was fed up with all those. Yes, I do track all of those, by the way. I haven't given up because you do need to know that you're patched. But point being that there are other avenues of risk. So we created our own IP risk dashboard. Now, at the beginning, I kind of shared with you, we've got over 30,000 systems, you know, thousands and thousands of network elements. Oh, by the way, routers and switches are vulnerable too. So what, another thing that I find a, a lot in the IT space is we focus a lot of our attention on servers. And oh, by the way, if you've got a, let's just say a router and its username password is Cisco Cisco, right, you can take advantage of that. So that's a vulnerability too. So what we have is a very robust scanning program. Because I have thousands and thousands of devices in a huge network, we've set this up so this whole dashboard is totally automated. Because anything that's not automated, not going to happen, right? So it's got to be totally automated. We scan our network, our entire network, over 4 million IPs, at least twice a quarter. All that data is pulled in and fed into the dashboard. Now, it's not just scan data. We also collect open ports, and then there's about 20 security violations that we can scan for that manifest themselves via an MAP scan. We pull that data in. Then we went out to industry, and we said, okay, what would be a standard model for a system that might be internet-facing? How many ports would typically be open? And so we found various you know, sources, and you know, the magic genie said 12. Well, it doesn't mean that there's less risk, because you have open ports, you still have avenues for threat, but it, it is more of an acceptable use that in, within industry to have about 12 ports open. So you still get a risk score for that, but anything over 12 is exponentially hit for additional risk. So we created this model, fed it in, 
And lo and behold, it has been fabulous. We've re reduced, this is a true story, I just presented this data to my um, president last week. We've reduced the number of the percentage of serious risk systems, which on a continuum are in that top bracket, over 70% in a 12-month period. These are legacy systems <laughs> that you know, try to get an SA to take time off of his or her busy schedule when they're managing 100 servers to go fix a vulnerability. Very, very difficult. But in this dashboard, this data is presented like a golf score. So small is good, high is bad. And we actually, in times of, you know, zero-day exploit, which we're all having to deal with now, um, we can take and stack rank every single system, router, switches, servers, anything with a static from worst, meaning most risk to the system, all the way down to least risk to the system. And here's the kicker. Every system is associated with the data that's held within that system. So step back a second. If, if you're going to go look at Sarah Sanders Rally's website, right? I'm sure that there's very important information. Dave does my website. It's a great website. But if somebody hacks that website or gets into it, yeah, there's no real data that is a risk or a value. Do you get my picture, draw a little mustache on it, whatever. But you get to a financial system, or you get to a system that has credit card data on it, boy, isn't that system a lot more valuable to you? Sorry, Dave. It's a lot more valuable, right? And so it's going to carry a higher risk weighting. So when you get ready to go patch, you're an ops guy or gal, you're going to patch, you can stack rank every system, most risk to less, based on the value. That's putting risk in context of your business and not just where am I on my patch stats today. In part two of the podcast, Santarelli discusses what she calls the holy grail of security, accurately measuring security risk. This is podtech.net.